Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. This podcast contains language that some people might find offensive. Give me the first two of the seven deadly words so, we, so I'll know whether we can continue with it. So the first one was f- the second one was sh- Give me the third one. Um, I think the third was something like, I think might have been the third. Okay, we've, 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 gone to, we've gone to pretty much the extreme there. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help with your business needs from online ordering, menu management and payments. Visit square.com for more. Now, what's happening to the Irish internet at the moment? Is it breaking apart? Is there division happening? Are the rules changing as to what you can and can't do or say or register? And what's going to happen next? Well, here to talk to me is Michaeli Nailon, CEO of Ireland's biggest Irish-owned hosting provider and web domain registrar, Black Knight Solutions, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Michaeli, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And also, I should mention that you were at one point induced into the Irish Internet Hall of Fame and a previous net visionary and not a man who uh, ever shrank from sharing an opinion or two. And I hope you're going to share a few of those uh, with us today. You're from Cork, right? Yes, I am. The, from the real the real capital. Yeah, but you've always had a continental air to you. Is that right? You're Yes, I'm half Italian, half Irish, and I spent quite a few years overseas after I left college. So I was over in France, then Spain, then Italy. So okay. I, was, I was kind of bounced around quite a bit. Okay, and Black Knight is the biggest Irish-owned hosting provider web domain registrar. Can you give me an idea of the scale of the company, how many websites you register? We've got about 90,000 direct clients. Uh, we've got about 50 staff spread across Carlo and Ireland, I suppose, mm. all of part of the stage because everybody's working remotely a lot of the time. And our clients come from about 130 countries. We're processing several million emails per day, and uh, we have, I think, over 90,000 .ie domain names registered. And I'm not sure what the numbers will be across other domains okay. and other things like that. But yes, we're reasonable size. Are there rules about what you can and can't register? Things like taste and decency, things like that. So for .ie still has a, a rather odd rule about this kind of offensive yeah. thing. That you can't, you can't register a .ie domain name that is overtly offensive. Now, like what? What exactly? Well, you couldn't. We couldn't. You couldn't register a an, um, an F word. Um, F word .ie. You couldn't register. Well, could you register feck .ie? Yes, and I think somebody has. Okay. They managed to get. Them, I think they managed to get through with that one. What about shit? Not sure. 
Not sure if they'd allow that or not. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things that I Michaeli, think... Michaeli, what about bollocks? We can test all of these if you want, John. Well, that would be an interesting... Thing. Like, what about wanker? You know, I, it, it's actually... I, I, there's a reason I'm asking this, because I'm wondering... Yeah. This is kind of interesting because social mores are changing all the time. And, you know, like feck, for example, is sort of seen as cuddly and cute, whereas the word fuck, for example, is seen as maybe a little bit more pejorative. I think that's what you're getting at, is it? It's one of the stupid rules that's left over. But they, they don't have to be super regulated, super strict, and you have to, you know, present both of your parents if you wanted to register a domain, hmm. have to sign, sign in blood and all this. It was yeah. super complicated and a pain. But they liberalized the entire thing a couple of years back, and it became a case of, okay, if you could show a link to Ireland, you could register pretty much anything you want. But they kept that weird rule about the offensive names. Have you seen any fail that rule? Oh, yeah. I mean, porn.ie used to fail all the time. Porn? Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one. It was, it was one of these things that they, back when the stuff was done much more manually, they they absolutely hated the idea of porn.ie being registered. Mm. And then you find people doing things like one guy registered, I think it was ORM.ie. And so he set up a website with P.ORM.ie. Oh. So just to circumvent the rules. It was, mm. it was silly. I mean, these days... Realistically, I think you know, kind of that that kind of conversation kind of moved on a bit. I mean, the, in in the America in the America, they have the .us. Mm. Uh, they'll still have the .us uh, domains, and they used to have a rule saying that you couldn't register one any of the seven deadly words going on the George Carlin skit. The seven deadly words, and now I'm going yes. to, at the risk of shocking our listeners, <laughs> I'm going to ask. Give me the first two of the seven deadly words so we, so I'll know whether we can continue with it. So the first one was fuck, the second one was shit. Yeah, that's not too... We've already said those, not too bad. Give me the third one. Um, I think the third was something like... I think might have been the third. Okay, we've, 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 gone to, we've gone to pretty much the extreme there. Okay, listen, seeing as we've already gone to the extreme, we can probably say what the others are. I don't remember the full list. Okay. But they had to, to remove it as a rule because mm. somebody, somebody rightly said, hold on a second, you're infringing on my, my freedom of speech. Ah. And, under US, and under US law, as you know this as, as you are, you have dual, dual citizenship, you have that freedom of speech thing. Whereas under mm. Irish law, you don't. You don't have the same thing, which I think is kind of where you might be going with some of this, because okay. we're, now, we're now in a world where, as you say, social mores have changed, but also I think the, what people will view as being offensive has changed quite mm. a bit. Mm. Stuff that, you know, they were seeing a big push um, in Ireland and elsewhere to, to regulate more and more of online. And mm. I, while... Some of that might not be a bad thing necessarily. It is a slippery slope because, yeah, who's who gets who gets to decide what's offensive? Because offense offense is super subjective. So this is quite interesting. And okay, so there is a thing that's in the news at the moment. It's the the online hate bill, uh, which is kind of controversial. And but on the other hand, is seeking to protect uh, some communities at the same time. Now, the bit that I'm interested in about this, and most listeners will be familiar with the this being in the news, it's it, incitement to hatred um, uh, legislation. There's this idea in some of it that you could be committing a thought crime. Now, 
I I actually don't fully know what I think about this. And when I, when I say thought crime, there's a bit in it, this new law, which has been passed and is waiting to be signed uh, into law by the president, um, which is which talks about the offence of preparing or possessing material likely to incite violence or hatred against persons on account of their protective characteristics, like even before you disseminate it online or wherever. Now, the critics of that, both on the right and on the left, are saying this might amount to a thought crime because you could write something, you could write a blog post, you could, you know, write something on your your phone in your notes and maybe you haven't disseminated yet but maybe if it was disseminated it could actually stir up hate and it could lead to dangerous situations for communities what how should we think about that well, i think we have to be really really careful i mean i think that's a lot of this stuff like when you look at how we're using ai and other technologies to make certain decisions or to help to process large amounts of data. Mm. So remember, the amount of data that we're all producing these days keeps growing and growing and growing. I mean, mm. the fact that like you're you're record, going to record hundreds of megabytes of of data today for this podcast and mm-hmm. probably other things that you're going to do. And I'm sure we've already and, offended somebody, but go on. Oh, sure, exactly. Probably my poor mother. Um, but I mean, the the thing is, is that you know, the, the, you know, you're going to use these algorithms and these other things to make decisions about a lot of this stuff. Mm. And the question really becomes, you know, what's the line between um, making that kind of decision that you know makes sense and is kind of generally acceptable, and where are we kind of stepping over the line and mm. kind of getting into this entire pre-crime? You know, the fact that I thought about I thought about strangling you. Is me thinking about strangling you the same as me strangling you? And I, mm. I think we can both agree. So totally I, 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 I don't think we're going to resolve this issue in this no. podcast because it's it's actually probably worth a, an entirely separate topic. And I don't mean to, to just skim over it. I will say, though, that my initial reaction to this was, this is terrible. This is a thought crime. And then when I looked at the legislation and I looked at how it's worded and the likelihood of prosecution and also the fact that there's the exact same provision, more or less, in existing the existing 1989 legislation, I'm not sure, I don't know if I agree with it, but I'm not sure how passionate I am um, against it either because I'm not sure, I, I can't see it ever being prosecuted uh, in Ireland. But anyway, look, um, that's that and it's, it's worth a different um, uh, podcast, I think. Encryption, that is something that's surely has come across, you know, you've come across recently. And this drive uh, in some countries to try and water down encryption, you see it from the guards, you see it from other authorities, you you see it from, you know, the, the prime minister of the UK is, is always trying to do this. And they always say, oh, we need to, we need to do a backdoor key into encryption so that we can successfully fight terrorism and child abuse imagery. What's your view on that? There's no such thing as a safe backdoor. That's what it boils. That's the, the bottom line. Like if if you give if you give somebody the keys to your house, then somebody could make a copy of them. I mean, if you think about it, like I share the keys to my house with two or three people who I trust for various different reasons, so they have access to the house. And I mean, you probably do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know now that somebody could make a copy of the key. And, and go from there. I'm just using that, that, that kind of simple analogy. Mm-hmm. The idea that 
the, there's good guys and there's bad guys, and that you know the good guys are not going to abuse their power. I'm sorry, but no. I mean, that's just not how that works. I mean, mm. encryption has is binary. It has to be either either the data is encrypted end to end. In other words, third parties and other people can't snoop it and see it. Or it's not encrypted. You can't have this kind of, well, it's safe and super secure, except if the Gardaí want access to it. Mm. Now, I don't want to cast dispersions on the Gardaí. So let's let's choose a different law enforcement agency. Let's let's choose, say, I don't know, the Iranian police. Much easier to, to pick on them. Okay. Are they are their law a law enforcement agency? Mm. Are they the, do they have the same legitimacy as the Gardaí? I would question that. Um, what about other regimes? And this, the problem is, is this, is that it's not just a case of um, Apple or Facebook or one of these other companies allowing or weakening the encryption just in Ireland, because they do it, it's going to be global, because mm. the internet is global, the technology is global. It's not like, you know, the iPhone or the the Android device or the application or service that you, you're going to pick up in one country is going to be fundamentally different to the one you pick up in another. I mean, it's they're not going to make um, a weaker version of the technology just for one particular market. It just it it breaks it, it just breaking encryption to my mind. It's just it's a horrific idea. Now I understand the concerns they have. I understand mm. the fears. I understand what they're trying to deal with. But why? You know, do we do we give people the Gardaí the right to enter our homes uh, willy nilly, or do we expect them to actually have um, to follow due process? Yeah, that have- that's always been the trade off. Um, I remember talking to uh, it's actually Tim Cook, actually the CEO of Apple. He came in and he did a um, an interview with me in our office here in the Irish Independence some years back. And this is one of the issues I asked him about at the time because he was dueling or battling with the British government at the time. And David Cameron was the prime minister. And the British have had every two or three years, they come back and they try uh, to introduce new legislation for backdoors into encryption. And every time Apple, which is one of the biggest companies uh, out on this issue, they always say no to the point where they have suggested strongly that they would withdraw services like iMessage from the UK market if they passed legislation requiring them to break encryption, which is very interesting. Um, so I, I, it's, I think big tech companies, for all the crap we give them, I think they do have a line in the sand on this. Oh, definitely. And I think it's one of those things that if you like say take Google, Alphabet, whatever you want to call them, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that they've done around um, encryption everywhere across the internet. Mm. I mean, they've made it so that if you don't have um, a digital certificate, a secure certificate, a little padlock thing on a website, that it'll come flagged. It'll be flagged by the browser going, you know, this isn't mm. isn't secure. Even if it's just a website with a few recipes or something completely innocuous where you're not actually paying for anything. So no, I think they, 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 you know, this encryption thing is not something that the the bit that the big technology companies are willing to to compromise on. And for the smaller companies like ourselves, 
you know, we benefit from this, from all mm. this technology. It's it's how we do our business. The okay, of course, you, you know that's the criticism of big tech is that, oh, the big tech companies, Apple and Google and all the rest of them, they're profiting from crime. They don't, Of course, they don't want to break encryption because they they profit from criminals using their business, etc. Anyway, I suspect that's that also is not a topic we're going to conclude today. But I was interested in your views on what about um, the split between East and West, the splinternet, as as they call it. Um, do you? So I've written quite a bit about this, and I've interviewed executives from TikTok and Huawei, and people right up to National Security Council uh, members in the U.S. who have a who who have dire warnings about what Chinese systems uh, are doing um, in within Western internet networks. What's what's your take on? It? I mean, you you have quite a interesting seat in terms of what you see in internet traffic. Do you have any of you one way or the other? So first off, a lot of the stuff that you see that the Americans getting upset about, I mean, I kind of look at it sometimes and I go, well, hold on a second. You've got American companies doing exactly the same thing, if not worse, and that's okay. So why is it that you're concerned about a Chinese company doing that? Now, that's not to say what the Chinese company may or may not be doing is is good or bad. That's not what I'm saying. It's the it's the the double standard. So well, well, did, perf- okay. Stepping into the shoes of the person you might be asking that of the the most common answer I get to that question when I put that question is you know why are you getting so upset with the Chinese doing because the Americans are doing it as well. The most common answer is yes, but. As cynical as we can be about the U.S. government, by and large, it's a democracy. By and large, it has the rule of law. The Chinese is kind of a dictatorship. We kind of don't know what they're doing with it. And that's where the fear comes from. Yeah, but to me, do, do you honestly think that TikTok really gives a, gives a damn about which videos you or I watch? I mean, well, it's, I mean, they might be... I mean, if you look at, say, Facebook, Meta, you know, through Instagram, through Facebook... Um, and they've been smacked around by multiple DPAs over this. You know, they suck in oodles of, of private data. They they make money by selling you advertising. And that ultimately is what a lot of these companies are making their money from. I'm not overly concerned about um, a government. Over, because, yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah, mm. sure. You know, I, I would have a lot more confidence in some Western governments than I would in. Yeah, so 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 the argument, McKaylee, the argument, McKaylee, is that if the Chinese are somehow illicitly reaping data from our systems, it's not you or me. That it's you know uh, senior figures in authority, government, police, army, and that they could use this information to compromise. Uh, officials to compromise countries. They could uh, use it to to try and launch attacks to get into uh, national security systems. I think a lot of that comes down to just kind of general best security practices. I mean, if you were a senior official in a government or a government agency, why on earth do you have any of these social media apps on your mobile devices? Okay, well that's that's a, that's that's a fair point. And um, just before we we draw this to a close. Just Ireland in general, you've been around the block now a few times. You've dealt with broadband, uh, telecoms infrastructure. It's gotten a bit of a a bad rap over the last while. We saw the banks continually failing when it comes to their IT systems. We sort of seem to have sorted our broadband out, I think, nationally, although there are still some IT issues there. Um, 
Do you think that things have improved in Ireland or are we still a bit wobbly when it comes to IT infrastructure? I think we're at an inflection point. I think we've got to the point where, as you say, broadband is more or less sorted out. With the, with the NBI rollout, you'll be able to get decent broadband out in the wilds of Mayo just as easy as you can in the centre of Dublin or, or Cork. But things like online banking and other services are so far behind mm. um, the kind of the challenger banks. I mean, looking at what Revolut or N26 and some of these others are doing, you know, I've, I've personally reached the point where I'm kind of going, look, love you, love this my Irish bank, but really, mm. you know, I can't do something basic, whereas I can do that easy, with a flip of a, with a flick, I could do it on my Revolut account. Mm. So I think some of these companies have sat back for a very long time they haven't really competed on the same on the same playing field they haven't had to because they've had that kind of level of protection it's been the the great dream of the eu was that we would be able to buy products and services from any other member states but it's only started to happen in the last couple of years when it comes to the financial services mm. it's only in the last what five years that we've had those external competitors coming in via via our mobile devices and we still can't buy a lot of the financial products like no. um, car insurance or or house insurance and these things. And you st- so you still have the situation where a lot of the Irish companies are going to go, ah, yeah, we're, we, you know, we, we'll make a little tweak here so that we're mm. not penalising as much. The Irish should be grand. Mm. It's not grand. It's really we are we are at risk of of falling behind. And I think. You know, it, it's harder and harder to, to argue in favour of some of these things. You're kind of mm. going, why on earth are we paying so much more for, say, electricity than any other country in Europe? What's that about? Mm. Yeah, well, I think I think I think my colleague Charlie Weston would have something to say um, about that. Michaeli, I'd lo- love to chat about uh, more stuff and put the world to rights. But for the moment, anyway, congratulations on 20 years. Uh, for of Black Knight uh, in Ireland, Thank that, you. and that was Michaeli Nalon, CEO of Ireland's largest. Uh, Irish-owned hosting provider and web registrar Black Knight Solutions. Um, thank you very much to Conor Doherty on video, to Gav Hennessy on sound, and Mary Carroll, who produced. For me, Adrian Weckler, you have been listening to and watching The Big Tech Show in association with Square. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel, 